Hi, I'm Taylor. And I'm Julia. And this, and this is, is Shooting False Realities. We talk conspiracy theories, spooky stories, and dive into hauntings on Olivet College's campus. Everything is not as it seems. Welcome to your false reality. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Julia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm hoping we're not feeling good after this, which... That sounds weird. Yeah, it does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you're spooked after this, and I hope I am too. Should I turn the lights off for this? Oh, should we have the lights off? I'm going to be kind of fun, really get in the mood of it, because yeah. what, what are we talking about today? This is a pretty chill episode. We're going to be talking about just campfire stories. Yeah. Yeah, just campfire stories. The ones, you know, where it's like the guy with the hook in the woods, and two the two teens t- died on this very spot in this very forest, and sitting around a campfire marshmallows yeah dun 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 oh i should have brought the marshmallows for my apartment i don't really like marshmallows anyways <sighs> well all right then <laughs> all right i'm gonna get in lights i'm okay i'm, I'm getting lights. okay okay get really creepy in here all right cue the campfire <clears throat> sounds do you want to go first i mean yeah i guess there's really not much else to say i mean we're just telling our fun little stories i guess Okay, so for this very first story, I just want to give some background why this story is, like, I don't want to say my favorite, because it actually scared me so much as a kid. So, when I was younger, like, fifth, sixth grade, I was one of those kids that would, like, read forums and stuff online. Like, I wasn't a Reddit kid, but, like, I was pretty much a Reddit kid. And I came across this story, and this story scared me so much that to this day... I don't like being home alone out of just genuine fear because so this story it starts with a girl she's young just a young girl on her own her parents go away for a night it was like a little business trip just one night they figured we can leave you home for one night like this is something you don't need to come with you can be here with your dog all good just make sure everything is locked up before bed so the parents leave to go on a trip and this girl's by herself and she's like okay I gotta lock up now she goes around to every door locks them goes around to every window they're closed and locked there's one window in the basement that's a little stuck it's cracked open just a little bit and she's trying to push it down but it won't budge and she's like you know what it's fine it's one night it's not gonna rain it'll be fine it's just, and it's in the basement it's barely open everything's gonna be fine she goes to bed middle of the night she wakes up to like a dripping sound coming from her bathroom so she's half awake, half asleep, like, all right, let me, let me go see if I can turn this off. She reaches her hand down next to her bed where her dog usually sleeps. The dog licks her hand, she goes to the bathroom. She kind of just uh, hits the faucet a little bit and hoping the dripping will stop. Seems good, goes to bed. About an hour or two later, she wakes up hearing the same dripping sound again. Puts her hand down next to her dog. Her dog licks her hand, goes to the bathroom. Again, half asleep, doesn't even turn the light on. Just reaches her hand in the shower, hits it a couple times, goes back to bed. The next morning, she wakes up. She doesn't hear her dripping anymore. All seems fine. Her dog's not next to her, but, you know, it's morning. Dog could have gotten up, gone to get food. No big deal. She goes to check out the bathroom, see what happened. There she sees her dog hanging from the faucet. <gasps> the dripping was the dog's blood. She went down to the basement, saw the window wide open and concluded that someone had come in in the night, killed her dog, and was laying under her bed, licking her hand every time she reached her hand down. Ew! 
Oh, um, I had the story pulled up. I forgot the last part. When she went to the bathroom, there was blood on the mirror that wrote, humans can lick too. Ugh. Yeah. And because of that, I read that when I was like in fifth or sixth grade, like I said. And so ever since then, I was horrified because I have dogs at home too. And I was just like terrified someone's going to break in and like kill my dog and like, you know. That makes my fear of like, um, like my leg hanging off of like the bed like 10 times worse. Oh yeah, where you always have to like have your toes covered or whatever. Yeah. Like the, the leg is out, you need to like, yeah, I can't be off the bed at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that was my first story. Would you like to, to take a turn now? <clears throat> Alright. So I don't actually have a personal story. Um, One that spooked you as a kid? No, nothing that really spooked me as a as a child. Um, I got these off a website called uh, mynorth.com, and these are just northern Michigan stories. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's pretty long. Um, it's by Anne-Marie Uman. Um, ooh, this is from 2004. It was in a magazine. Whoa. Okay, it's called The Ghost Orchard. We call our land Ghost Orchard because it was once the site of a magnificent cherry orchard. We bought our land when the orchard went under. Then we took out the trees because the orchard was diseased and there were too many health orchards nearby. A big machine came and grabbed the trees by the trunks and carried them away in a semi to be burned. Then we built our house on the edge of the orchard. For a while, everything's fine. But one summer, I am walking on the open field left by that orchard and I hear the trees. Yes, I swear to God, I hear the cherry trees that used to be there. I realize they have their own talk, their own conversations with each other, and they tell each other the secrets that not even the best or worst of us know. They know our lies, good or bad, except there were no trees anymore, just an open field riddled with fescue and napweed. I leave quick. I tell my husband, and he does not believe me. Still, I come back again and again. Sometimes I hear the sound of Spanish, a boy and a girl, laughing, and then crying. Sometimes I hear the gruff sound of the shaker moving down the rows. Sometimes I hear the water jug gurgling and the old truck that hauled the lugs, but mostly the trees. One day, they tell me something bad will happen. The next day, the truck that picks up the garbage runs off the bluff into the lake. Those trees, or rather, the ghosts of the trees, they know things. This one night, about harvest time, I am walking and listening real close. The trees that are not there are loud, full of warning, but I can't tell what about. Then, out of the corner of my eye, a little girl runs. She waves her hand, and I follow. Then there is a little boy who calls my name. When I follow, he disappears, then reappears. I walk and walk through the open field of our ghost orchard and finally sit down in the middle of 200 empty acres. I am tired and I want them to stop bothering me. They won't stop bothering me and they keep pulling me. I see a tree loaded with cherries. I touch the branches. I find a picking harness around my shoulders. I feel the straps cut into my shoulders. I begin to pull the cherries off the branches. The bucket under my hand grows heavy. I feel the weight of the bucket filled until I need to empty it. I pour into a lug. I hear the trucks. I know there is a long day ahead of me. I go back to the tree. The children come and sit near me, smiling. I tell them I should go now. They keep smiling. I try to take the harness off, but my hands keep picking. I try to pour out the bucket, but it is not full. And when it is full, I may only pour the bucket into the lug and return to the tree. After a while, my husband comes out of the house at the edge of the orchard. 
He walks over the empty field. He calls and calls. I answer him. He looks straight through me, but he also looks as though somewhere on the edge of imagination, he might hear me. My hands keep working, pulling off the cherries. The trees whisper as they have always done, all the secrets. I feel the trees reaching for me. I feel my body enter the tree. I feel myself as bark and fruit. My husband goes away. When he returns, he is carrying an axe. The trees know all the secrets. That's weird. That one is kind of weird. Like, I don't know how to feel about it. That kind of plays with your mind a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I started, then, like, I started questioning it partway through. I know. I, as I was reading it, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> What's your next story? This ghost story I'm getting from AmericanFolklore.net. It's called Axe Murder Hollow. Susan and Ned were driving through a wooded, empty section of highway. Lightning flashed, thunder roared, the sky went dark, and the torrential downpour. We'd better stop, said Susan. Ned nodded his head in agreement. He stepped on the brake, and suddenly the car started to slide on the slick pavement. They plunged off the road and slid into a hall at the bottom of an incline. Pale and shaking, Ned quickly turned to check if Susan was alright. When she nodded, Ned relaxed and looked through the rain-soaked windows. I'm going to see how bad it is, he told Susan, and went out into the storm. She saw his blurry figure in the headlight, walking around in front of the car. A moment later, he jumped in beside her, soaking wet. The car's not badly damaged, but we're wheel-deep in mud, he said. I'm going to have to go look for help. Susan swallowed nervously. There would be no quick rescue here. He told her to turn off the headlights and lock the doors until they returned. Axe Murder Hollow. Although Ned hadn't said the name aloud, they both knew what he had been thinking when he told her to lock the car. This was a place where a man had once taken an axe and hacked his wife to death in a jealous rage over an alleged affair. Supposedly, the axe-wielding spirit of the husband continued to haunt the section of the road. Outside the car, Susan heard a shriek, a loud thump, and a strange gurgling noise, but she couldn't see anything in the darkness. Frightened, she sank down in her seat. She sat in silence for a window, and then she noticed another sound. Bump, bump, bump. It was a soft sound, like something being blown in the wind. Uh, suddenly, the car was illuminated by a bright light. An official-sounding voice told her to get out of the car. Ned must have found a police officer. Susan unlocked the door and stepped out of the car. As her eyes adjusted to the bright light, she saw it. Hanging by his feet from the tree next to the car was Ned. He was nearly decapitated. The wind swung his corpse back and forth so that it thumped against the tree. Bump, bump, bump. Susan screamed and ran towards the voice in the light. As she drew close, she realized the light was not coming from a flashlight. Standing there was the glowing figure of a man with a smile on his face a large, solid, and definitely real axe in his hand. She backed away from the glowing figure until she bumped into the car. Playing around when my back was turned, the ghost whispered, stroking the sharp blade of the axe with his fingers. The last thing she saw was the glint of the axe blade and the eerie, incandescent light. That was scary. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I liked it very much. I've been lucky to, like, not have my car break down, like, in the night. It's always been during the day, mm -hmm. but, like, still. Yeah, no, same. The one time I was in a car, it went, like, broke down at night. It was on the side of the highway. I was with my boyfriend. It was rainy, but we weren't by woods or anything. It was just, you know, it was the highway. But... Okay, what do you have for me, Taylor? 
This is from the same website. This is called The Bear by Terry Wooten. Charlie Fisher saw the bear run across the gravel road in front of his car lights. The beast woke up the bonds in the middle of the night, banging around in their trash cans. I had a big imagination and got to thinking this bear was the size of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Charlie and Lula Fisher lived on a small farm on the south edge of Park Lake. They didn't have any kids, just a little lamb tombstone in the cemetery. Their house was a boring place to visit if you were a kid. You couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. One dark blue summer night while mom and dad were visiting with Charlie and Lula and my sisters were sitting quietly, I snuck outside to watch this for the Tyrannosaurus Rex sized bear. Sitting on the sidewalk in front of the Fisher's house surrounded by the new woods and prehistoric stars, I could hear the wind in the trees. The closer I listened, the more that the wind sounded like the bear breathing. I started feeling kind of scared and standing in the dark alone with that giant bear close by in the woods maybe watching me. I needed to find a safer place to hide. My parents' car was parked in the driveway in front of the barn way on the other side of the yard. The rule in my family was, never get in the car. Never play in the car if your mom and dad aren't with you. But I kept forgetting the rules. I decided to take a chance and hurry across the darkness to our car. There I would be safe inside. To start off quick, I counted to myself, one, two, three, go. I ran across the grass as fast as I could. I jumped in the car, locked the doors, and rolled up the windows tight. After a few minutes of lying still on the front seat, I sat up and peeked cautiously over the dashboard out through the windshield. In the moonlight, I could see past the shadowy barn into the woods on the far side of Charlie's bean field. Watching for a while, I noticed something like the shape of a giant bear walking through the woods. He was standing on his hind legs. He was darker than the night. He was so big he could barely squeeze through the trees. As he walked, he spread the trunks with his front legs he used like arms. I could see the treetops swaying in the starlight above him. Knock, knock, knock. I was in trouble for being in the car by myself when the doors locked. I wanted to interrupt mom and dad's lecture and yell, never mind, the bear is coming. But I kept quiet with my hands over my mouth. The Tyrannosaurus Rex-sized bear shadow was coming closer across the field. Dad started the car and backed around. He steered down the driveway and turned right on the gravel road headed home. I was watching out the back window. I saw the bear's giant shape like a storm cloud looming over the corner of the barn. Then we were safe over the hill. Next morning, I found out Mom had made plans with Lula Fisher to return and pick strawberries. I didn't want to go. I imagined the Fisher's house would be smashed into a big bear track. I figured the bear had slept in the garden. The strawberry patch would look like my messed up bed. As Mom drove in the driveway, everything was normal. The sun was shining. The birds were singing. Lula Fisher was outside watering her flowers. Charlie was already in the garden out behind the barn picking strawberries. Late that morning, while I was getting yelled at for eating more berries than I was putting in my basket, the real bear came out of the woods. It wasn't a Tyrannosaurus rex-sized beast like the bear in my imagination. The animal stood about as tall as our car tire. He ran along the fence line on all of his four legs like a normal forest citizen. On the far side of the field where the neat rows of beans ended and the wild limb shapes began, the bear faded like a piece of the night back into the shade under the treetops. He's been living in there ever since, growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is going to start the next uh, Godzilla movie. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I feel like that one would be scary if you were like actually at a bonfire in the middle of the woods, you know? For some reason, I thought it was gonna be like Dogman. Oh, yeah. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is Dogman. I think you have like more scary ones than me. Mine are like, I think more folklore. I think yours are more like detailed too, though, which makes it kind of fun. Yours are actually horrifying. <laughs> this. Okay, no, I just said I wasn't a Reddit kid. But Julia's a Reddit kid. This next story is on Reddit. It's called, I found an open Wi-Fi connection. Didn't believe me when I told them there was an open wireless network in range, aptly named free Wi-Fi. It was rather slow, but that's not the problem. You see, we were camping out in the middle of nowhere. We parked the truck about a mile down the trail, and from there, it was a 15 minute drive to the only ramp onto the highway. We were far removed from civilization to say the least. After we were done with checking in on Facebook and replying to Snapchats, my friend and I made a game of finding the source of the signal. Marco and Sean went in one direction, Mike and I went the other. Three minutes later, we were all back at the site. The signal dropped off after 185 paces in the direction I went, and roughly 250 in the opposite. We agreed with Sean's proposal to go in the third direction, so to approximate by triangulation, the whereabouts of the source, Marco counted the steps, Mike kept an eye on the signal indicator, Sean and I looked out for anything that remotely resembled a router. About 100 feet in, Mike told Marco to stop counting. The signal was at full strength. I looked around for flashing LEDs or running cables or anything that lit up. Marco suggested it could be a pocket Wi-Fi hotspot that another camper had left behind, though that was unlikely since there was no 3G coverage out there, but we found nothing. We gave up the search and made way back to, towards the campsite. That's when the Wi-Fi signal disappeared. The sun was setting and it was starting to fog up. A little spooked, we agreed that we would pack our stuff and hike back to the truck. When we got back, we realized that we had been robbed. Our bags were torn open, our food supplies were missing, and our tents were toppled. What immediately seemed odd to me was that the thieves hadn't taken our laptops or our cameras. Upon inspection, all they took were food and beverages. And in my opinion, that was the scary part. Needless to say, we crammed whatever we could into our torn up bags and made a dash for the truck. It wasn't until we got onto the truck that Mike told us to check our phones. The Wi-Fi signal was at full strength again. A chill ran down my spine when I saw the name of the connection. Run, boys, run. Creepy. As a kid, did you ever read the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I think I did, actually. Okay. That sounds familiar to me. It's also a movie that they made a couple years ago. I used to love those books so much, and I specifically remember reading always, this story. You always liked creepy stuff. As I long did. as I've yes. like creepy Yes. So, this one is probably going to be my favorite story that I've told today. By the way, I'm so glad we're not reading this in the conservatory studio like we did the last time. At night? Yeah. So this story is in the book. It's called The Big Toe. One day, a boy was digging in his garden when he saw a big toe sticking out of the ground. He tried to pick it up, but it was stuck. It wouldn't budge. So he pulled as hard as he could and it came off in his hand. Then he heard something groan and scamper away. The boy took the big toe into the kitchen and showed it to his mom. That looks like a nice piece of meat, she said. I'll put it in the soup and we'll have it for dinner. That night at the dinner table, the boy's father scooped the big toe out of the soup and chopped it into three pieces. The father, the mother, and the boy each ate a piece. Then they did the dishes, and when it got dark, they went to bed. The boy fell asleep almost at once, but in the middle of the night, he was rudely awakened by a strange sound. He listened closely. 
It sounded like there was a voice coming outside of his window and it was calling to him. Where is my big toe? It groaned. When the boy heard that, he got very scared, but he thought, It doesn't know where I am. It will never find me. Then he heard the voice once more, only now it was closer. Where is my big toe? It groaned. The boy pulled the blankets over his head and closed his eyes. I'll go to sleep, he thought. When I wake up, it will be gone. But soon he heard the back door open, and again he heard the voice. Where is my big toe? It groaned. Then the boy heard footsteps move through the kitchen into the dining room, into the living room, into the front hall. They slowly climbed the stairs. Closer and closer they came. Soon they were in the upstairs hall. Now they were outside his door. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. The boy watched in horror as his bedroom door opened. Shaking with fear, he threw his bedclothes over his head and listened as the footsteps slowly moved through the dark towards his bed. Then they stopped. Where is my toe? The voice groaned. You've got it. Finally, he asks. What you got such big eyes for? The creature answers. To look you through and through. What you got such big claws for? To scratch up your grave. What you got such a big mouth for? To swallow you whole. What you got such sharp teeth for? To chomp your bones. Okay, can we just back up on that story? Why would he see a toe on the ground and just like pull it as hard as he could? And then why would the mom look at a toe and be like, mm, yeah, <laughs> that looks good. <laughs> That looks good. I love, I love the stories in um, those books. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, spooky scale. I feel like this episode like flew by. I know. I th- I had a lot of fun with this episode. We I just know. like tell stories. I feel like I like recording the scary, like or like the spookier ones more, like the Ouija board, the hauntings on campus episodes. I feel like those were more fun to record just because like. I feel a certain way. I don't know. And for our next episode, we're going to be talking about scary superstitions. Yeah, so superstitions. I think, yeah. I think that episode you're going to like a lot, too. Yeah, definitely. But what do you rate all of these, like, spooky scale? I okay. think... And which one do you think is the scariest? I think you you had more scary stories, and I think that first one about humans can lick too, that one is scary. Yeah, that one haunted me as a kid, and I still... I'm, like, traumatized from that story, and I still don't want to be home alone because of it. Yeah, that one was yeah. scary. Oh, definitely. That'll always be, like, the scariest story to me. Yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, I still... So I think because I've already known that one, I think the axe murder one was new. I think that one kind of scared me a bit, just because, like, I had... I mean, my car's broken down before, and I always have had that fear that, like... I'll be driving at night by myself, like, on a road surrounded by trees, like, a one-way road or whatever, like, a back road, and that I'll just, like, see some, like, covered in blood or something. Like, I always get those, like, intrusive thoughts and just, like, fears of, like, what would I do? And so I think that, like, scares me because those are the things I think of and that scare me. So, spookiness, I want to give it, like, mm, a seven overall mm-hmm. because I think some of them didn't scare me as much as they were more, like, I think some of yours were, like, folklore, like you are saying, so, I don't know. But overall, though. I like the the lights off. What's what's your overall spookiness? One to ten. Probably a six point five because I think mine mm. brought it down a, a bit lower, but yours, you know, were up higher. I mean, hey, we are a kid friendly podcast. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we are kid so, friendly. So it couldn't be a solid ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
right. Well, thank you, Reality Stars. I have a... I don't think... When's the last time I said Reality Stars? I don't know if I did last week. I don't, I don't know. know if you did or not. I don't know. I've slept since then. But thanks for listening, Reality Stars. I hope, um, you know, you're not about to go to bed. And if you are, sleep tight. And we'll see you next week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Shooting False Realities and on Twitter at SFR Podcast to keep up with episodes and SFR Podcast OC. No, I do that every week. There is an OC at the end. Don't forget it. I do that every week. On Twitter, SFR Podcast OC. Okay, Taylor, take it away. Welcome to your false reality. Pew, 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 pew.